thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Uh, Acts chapter 14. We're going to work through verses 8 through 20 this morning. When you're there, if you will, stand with me and we'll read the word of the Lord together. Acts chapter 14, verses uh, 8 through uh, the first part of verse 20. Paul and Barnabas, again, were following them on their first missionary journey together. Uh, verse 8, they arrive at the city of Lystra, and a man uh, was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Laconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles, <coughs> Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness. And that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the public reading of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for what has been modeled before us this morning, uh, particularly in baptism. Lord, we thank you uh, for seeing visually with our eyes the death to the old life and the resurrection to the new life. This is why Paul and Barnabas went on this missionary journey in the first place, to proclaim the excellencies of the Lord Jesus Christ, to save from sin, to redeem from the uttermost, and that this gospel would be preached to the entire world, that it was no longer just one people group, but it was a gospel that was to go to the entire world, that people would hear and be saved. And so, Lord, we thank you. Uh, for your blessings today, and we pray that you will be with us through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I was thinking about uh, 
this morning and seeing these brothers assist in baptism who are going about their day and their responsibility, doing the work that God had called them to do, uh, uh, a, a work that produced income for themselves. And as they were doing their job, their, their vocation, God presents people in their path. And those people, uh, they're able to share the message of hope. And think about how you and I can do that in our daily responsibilities. Always thinking, always looking, always asking, God, is this one, is this one, is this one? And sharing that message of hope uh, with uh, others. And so I'm so grateful for the representation of people who are doing gospel work, standing in a pool with someone whom they have helped lead to the Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of his spirit. Here in uh, the text uh, this morning, uh, we have uh, just a, a reminder to us and it's a reminder uh, also to our, our brother and sister who are baptized this morning that uh, the Christian walk is not one in which everything is going to go perfect in your life after you come into relationship with Jesus. We see some extreme highs and extreme lows in a very short uh, few verses of Scripture. And that really is indicative of uh, the Christian walk. Your and my walk with Jesus, how we live things out faithfully uh, before him. What we see in this passage with what happens with Paul and Barnabas, I believe there are many applications that we can make as we think about our, our own life. And again, as I've said before, when we read through any passage of Scripture, there's a lot of things that we can pull out and we can apply, which is why you must be reading the Word of the Lord for yourself. It can't just be a Sunday morning type of thing. And so I pray and I seek the Lord for what God may say to us corporately, but God may also be speaking to you individually uh, out of these passages and principles that you can pull to apply to uh, your own life. What we must come to understand is, one, God doesn't deliver us out of every single hardship. We see in the life of the Apostle Paul that sometimes you can be the most popular person in the room, and with days and uh, hours, the tables can be turned on you, and the very same people who are cheering you on can become your fiercest accusers. The Apostle Paul was a believer. He loved the Lord. He followed the Lord. And yet we see this kind of up and down over his life. And so you have these external circumstances that are sort of highs and lows. And yet the Apostle Paul continues his steady journey of trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what you and I must be looking for and seeing in our own life as well, is that these external circumstances that may sort of try to pull us in one direction or the other, but that you and I are consistently and faithfully walking in the grace of the Lord, not being pulled, as James says, here and there, tossed here and about by every wind and wave, but we're staying consistent and focused despite what is going on externally around us. The Apostle Paul, he's sharing the message of hope. There was a guy in the early portion of our text who was listening to him. The Bible says the man was lame in his feet from uh, his mother's womb. He had never uh, walked, never taken a step, which either mean 
meant that he had to kind of crawl on his hands and sort of pull himself along, or he had to have someone pick him up and sort of carry him along, but he wasn't walking on his feet. He was lame from birth. Paul was preaching the gospel. Paul wasn't just kind of talking about things. So there was some sort of faith-filled activity that was happening as Paul was preaching the gospel, and Paul discerns as he is preaching, he kind of sees the person and he discerns that there's faith in this person in order to be made whole. Paul speaks uh, as he sees that faith, he speaks and he commands the man to stand upright. The man obeys the command and he leaps up. It wasn't kind of like, let me sort of test this out to be sure this is going to work. He actually leaps up and he obeys immediately. The Bible says he leapt to his feet. So we have the preaching of the gospel in this supernatural event. Gospel faith is always a gift from God. So what this brother and sister in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and making a profession of faith, what was happening in them was God of the universe sort of sees them in that moment and God is activating faith to believe in Jesus Christ through them. God is working in the individual. And each one of us who know Jesus, who proclaim that he is Lord of our life, what has happened in us is the God of the universe has saw us and touched our heart. The man had been given faith from the Lord. There was obviously maybe not a clarity on what to do with that faith. And so there had to be someone with the gift of discernment, which was also given by the Lord. So you have someone who is sitting and listening to a preach message. And within that person, somehow there is faith that is not yet activated, but there is faith that is happening. Then you have someone who is in relationship with the Lord, who God has gifted as well, who is discerning what is happening in a particular person at that moment. So God is the one who is giving the faith to believe, and God is the one who is giving faith to discern. So God is at work in seeing this person made whole. And so Paul, through the gift of discernment, by the Holy Spirit, acts on that gift of discernment and speaks forth truth to the person in which there was faith to be made whole. Rise, get up, and walk. Again, understand what is happening in this moment. There was faith but the faith was unactivated. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm sitting with something in my hands that I don't know what to do with. I don't know anything about. <clears throat> so yesterday afternoon, my son comes home. I was excited that my son had come home from college. Uh, we were glad to have him uh, visit with us for a couple of days. And he, he drives in the car and parks his car, and his car is a dusty mess. And so he's coming in to Bible study with Brother Johan, 
And, uh, I, and I'm thinking, I don't tell him what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking and I'm thinking I'll wash his car for him. And so I said, why don't you take my uh, pickup in and uh, you can go in that and I'll, uh, you can just leave your car here. And so uh, he brings my truck in while I go and I begin washing his car. My, my boys are out throwing a ball and I'm thinking they're going to hit the car. And so I go in the house and I get the spare key. And I put the spare key in the ignition to move his car. And I put the key in, and it just turns over. And he had just parked it right there, and it won't start. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And so I try it again. It's not, not going on. Well, I call the people who I know to call, and that's the Bouch Brothers. <laughs> and I call Toby, and he says, it might be this, this, or this. Why don't you call Tom? And I call Tom and Tom's like, well, take the oil cap off and look in here. And if it's this, it might be that it is a, um, uh, a timing belt that's broke. They're like, oh, and I would have been the one that did it by starting the car and all these things. Oh, trying to do a good deed here. And so we think, okay, the timing belt's broke. We got to have it towed in. And Seth gets home. I break the bad news to him. And so about 8.30 at night, two motorcycles pull in my driveway and it's Tom and Luke. And they begin looking and they thinking what is going on here and Tom says it's not the timing belt it's not the timing belt and so we think and Seth puts his key in and it starts right up <laughs> like, what is going on here and come to find out it's one of those weird key things where you got a real key and then you got a key to only get you in the glove box or the door <laughs> and it won't start the car I had the wrong key that wouldn't start the car so here I was with a situation that I knew nothing about. As much as I've been in a car, as much as I've started a car, as much as I've drove a car, as much as I've used different keys in a car, this time it wasn't working and I had no idea what to do. And I needed someone to help instruct me in the way in which this could be fixed. And so here we have the situation with the man who was lame by his feet. He had the material that was there. The Bible says, this is the word of the Lord. It says in verse 9, this man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him, and Paul had seen that he, the man, had faith to be made well. So the man is there sitting and listening. Paul is preaching. Paul sees in the man that the man has faith within him to be made well. Now, the man doesn't actually know what to do with this faith, though something is happening inside. And so what needs to happen is God gave discernment as Paul is preaching and his eyes become fixed on the person and he says this man is lame. He has faith. Someone has to call it out. So the Holy Spirit gives discernment to the preacher to speak to the man in whom there was this faith that he didn't know what to do to tell him what to do with the faith. Get up, rise up, and walk. The man had to act then on what he was told to do in order 
for what had already been appropriated in the spiritual realm to be actualized in the natural realm. So what God had given him faith to believe for, what the man of God had discerned and spoken out to the man, rise, get up, and walk. The man now had a responsibility to be obedient to the word that was spoken in order for his faith to become reality and him to leap and walk. And so we have to apply that lesson to our own life and to our own responsibilities as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This particular incident, it made Paul and Barnabas very popular people. And we'll speak to that in a moment. But in this uh, instance, what I want us to apply here is that God had somehow moved on this man what was faith that was within him through this activity or what I would say this orchestration of God to see this man made whole. There were all of these moving parts that were active and God brought together at one moment. So the fact of the matter is We can speak things all we want. We can speak to things all that we want. But if there is not the residual faith given by God, nothing happens. And there are some who can have this faith that's here, that's given by God, but there are people who should be speaking and they're not saying anything. There's someone over here and he's got the keys and he's trying to start it and nothing is happening. Because they need someone to be able to speak in order to tell them what to do with what God has done within them. To broaden this a little further, think about our own city. Where is the stored faith within Charlottesville? Where are the spiritually lame in our city who may have some faith that God is giving in order to see something happen in our city, but it's not happening because we're not targeting our attention toward what God is wanting to do. This is, this is the challenge when we come together as a body of believers, particularly as a new church. You know, as a, as a new church plant, what happens is we, we all kind of come together and we have in our mind a realization of what we think this ought to be. And because it didn't exist before, we all have these expectations of, well, we should do this or we should do that or we should do this or, or something else. But the reason why I think God brought us together in this moment is not so we can have a lot of community activity, though some of that is important and we we do some of that, but one of the reasons that I believe God brought Riverstone together is that we would be a praying community to discern where the unactivated faith in Charlottesville is, and then we begin to speak to that and to see people realize their potential, and God does the miraculous in our midst. 
This is why we have to be a people and a place of prayer because that is how we discern what God is doing. We have to pray. There is not one person who has the full wisdom and understanding of what God is doing. Did you see what happened this morning? You know, often we think that the, that the, the pastor is totally in control and totally knows all. I don't even know what's going on this morning. <laughs> Chris and I were standing over there. What's the, when is baptism going to happen? I didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't know why they were giving up dollar bills at the door. I came in just like you and had my hand out too. Amen. That's the blessing of allowing people to operate in your gifting because you know what? Sometimes it makes us a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? And we think, what is the main thing? What's the main thing about today? What is the main thing about? And I will tell you, it was joyful giving this morning, wasn't it? It was exciting. It was different. Because we empower people to speak according to their gifting because there's other people who discern what is happening in this world and in our community. And I have learned even in the last little bit to listen to people who have a discerning voice. There are times when I have not listened as closely as what I should have to people who had the gift of discernment. And I was looking in the natural realm thinking it should happen just like this. And there was some caution in the spiritual realm that was speaking and I didn't pay attention to it. So in response to this healing that happens in the lame man, the crowds try to worship Paul and Barnabas as if by their own power or, or their ability, they did something. They discern that this was a supernatural work. This was a work of the gods. They knew something was going on. They knew the power of God had come and healed the man. They actually say the gods have become like men and come down to us very close to the gospel, isn't it? Jesus became flesh, became one like us. In this, at least in the beginning of this, Paul and Barnabas may not have known exactly what was happening or exactly what was going on since Luke is clear in verse 11 to say that they were speaking about this in the Laconian dialect, yet when they become aware of what is happening, that they're actually trying to worship, when Paul and Barnabas become aware that the people are actually trying to worship them, they realize and they push back on that very pointedly. The people tried to worship the messenger instead of God. This can often be the problem when people encounter the power of God for the first time, that they begin to worship the messenger. But those of us who are preachers of the gospel or evangelists of the gospel, we're just mailmen. We're just mailmen. We're delivering the good news from someone to someone. How many of you 
When your check comes in the mail, you praise the mailman. <laughs> That's right. That's what we do. We thank the guy who sent us a check. When I write a thank you card to someone who's given me a gift, I don't write the thank you card to the mailman. I don't even think about the mailman, frankly. He's just doing his job. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. He's doing his part. Who I want to thank is the person who thought of me days ahead of time, who had in their mind about me, who did something nice, and who sent it in the mail for me to receive a couple of days later from your Charlottesville, a month later. It's kind of like that, uh, the, 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 the angel in, in the book of Daniel, sort of tarrying for 21 days, uh, wrestling. <laughs> but the people wanted to worship the messenger, wanted to worship the male man. We have to be careful of that. What I preach to you this morning, I pray, is the gospel to you. And I'm simply the messenger. I'm taking what? God has given in order to give uh, to you, and it's just a messenger. I'm just doing the job that I have to do, that I'm called to do. Unfortunately, uh, God not allowing me to do other things. God not allowing me to be in other places. God says, I want you to be here. I want you to preach the message. I'm just doing what God's told me to do. And so I'm taking a message, hopefully, from the Lord. I'm giving it to you. So if there's any meat in this message, all praise must go to God. I'm just the messenger. Anyone who stands in the pulpit, they're just the messenger. We're just obedient messengers of the gospel. And with Paul and Barnabas, they're saying Barnabas is Zeus and Paul is Hermes. They want to worship him. And even the priest comes along and is bringing things in order to sacrifice. This guy who is the, the priest of Zeus and the priest of Hermes, he's bringing sacrifices along to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. It tells you what a fool he he is. He's supposed to be the expert. And yet he's following right along a people pleaser. Paul and Barnabas tried to immediately put a stop to it. Our, belief, our worship must never be in a man, but must always be placed in God. It's fine to show honor. It's fine to show respect. Yes, all that is fine, but never worship because God will always tear down our idols. Mind you that Paul is left later for dead. God will always tear down our idols so that Jesus comes to have first place in everything. As they begin to prevent, uh, Paul and Barnabas try to prevent this uh, worship of themselves, and now the, the Jews are coming following after them. No, this isn't just some kind of odd thing. Where Paul and Barnabas were before and where they were interacting, the Jews had come from there over to Lystra, and the journey was about 100 miles. Negative people follow. They follow, don't they? They'll follow. 
And they're going to try to do damage and destruction. And that's exactly what happened here. When God is trying to do a work, God is trying to have faith come to the Gentiles and the message of hope be preached. There's people who come along and say, oh, don't listen to these guys. From 100 miles away, now mind you, it's not getting in your car and traveling an hour and a half. This was a days-long journey. These were people who were focused on bringing a disorder to what Paul and Barnabas were preaching. And the people become fickle and they begin, some of them begin to change. The apostles are faithful. They remain focused despite the changing circumstances. This is why we have to believe and understand that it is not good oratory that will convince someone of the truth. There must be a move of the Holy Spirit to change someone's heart. There has to be a move of the Holy Spirit. They follow Paul, Zeus, and Hermes. Then they follow the Jews. Oh, Paul's horrible. What they once called a God, they now murder. No, the same thing happened in the life of Jesus. Same exact thing. And yet, sometimes there are things in life, in our life, oftentimes things that have to be dead in order for God to raise them. Again, young believers thought Paul was dead. They had stoned him and assumed it was over. No, I don't know. Stoning took different Forms, but most often what would happen is they would look for a, a high spot, a, a cliff area in which they could kind of cast someone off. So the, 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 the Jewish rules for stoning were the, the cliff needed to be twice the height of the person to be stoned. And so the person would stand at the edge and they would push them off the cliff at uh, the waist in order for them to fall face down on the ground and front of them. And if that didn't uh, kill the person, they would roll them over. And one of the first persons who accused, one of the witnesses who was accusing them would take a stone and then throw it or cast it on their chest. And then if that didn't kill them, others would follow suit by casting their own stones. That was the usual practice of stoning in the culture of that day. So imagine what had gone on with the Apostle Paul. Now think about uh, this in terms of theology of our, of our day. Paul's doing a good work here. You know, Paul, Paul's doing what he ought to be doing. He's preaching the gospel. He's living for Jesus. He's on the front line. He's doing a whole lot of things. And God knew Paul wasn't going to die. So why did Paul actually have to be stoned? Could God not have prevented stoning? In fact, Jesus, he was going to be stoned. And Jesus kind of, uh, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, moves out through the crowd. Why did Paul have to experience that pain and that agony of being stoned and essentially being left for dead. Sometimes you and I have to go through these difficult things. And the Bible assures us that as we walk through these difficult challenges of life, that it develops in us perseverance and that perseverance in us produces hope. Some of you feel like today you are at the bottom of the barrel. In fact, you might even say, I'm under the barrel. You feel like that's where your life is. 
And what the Bible is full of is not people in fine houses and Cadillacs and nice cars and all those things that some people want to preach about. What the Bible is full of is faithful people who went through trials and some were, uh, some were, some points of their life were very high and wonderful and some were very low and difficult and challenging. And what they did, they walked faithfully all the way through until the Lord called them home. That is our lot in life. The Lord Jesus Christ went through trial and tribulation. You and I must also go through trial and tribulation. And when Paul was laying there after having been stoned and left for dead, what did the believers do? The Bible says they gathered around. This is the beauty of the people in this room for you. This is why I've encouraged you, and I myself am trying to be hospitable, to get to know one another, to be more in fellowship with the people in this room. There's a lot of people that will call for your attention, a lot of people that will pull for your attention, but be in fellowship with the people in this room because when you have been wounded and you think I've been left for dead, there are a people who are moved by the power of the Holy Spirit that will gather around you. This is what the disciples did at this point with the Apostle Paul. They gathered around him and God, whether it was through a miracle of resurrection or whether Paul wasn't really dead and he kind of came to his senses, there was some miracle that happened in that moment, but it happened in the context of God's people gathering around the one that was wounded. What I can assure you of here as a fellowship, as, as Riverstone Church, that if you are wounded, if you fall, if you stumble, if something happens in your life that you're ashamed of, what we want to do is gather around you, not push you out. We want to pull you in and pull you closer and love on you in such a way that the love of Christ is poured out in your heart. So what I would encourage you to do is not what the enemy wants you to do when you're down and out, when you stumbled, when things have gone wrong, which is recluse, but press in even more. Press in even more in the moment of trial. Press in even more when you're wondering if God is there. Press in even more when you feel like you're stumbling, when you're tempted. Press in more. And if you think you can't be open because someone's going to step over here and kind of talk about you behind your back, that tells you who they are. Because someone who's truly following after the Lord, truly longing after the Lord, truly desiring to be like Christ is going to do everything they can to see what is dead resurrected. To see what is wounded be healed. This is the importance of the body of Christ. Some of you in your life, some of us in our life, there are things that seem like they are completely dead. A prophetic word spoken over the apostle Paul that he was going to be that primary instrument that God was going to use for the gospel to be fulfilled. Yet to the onlooker, that hope was dead. For someone who was just looking at the situation, what had prophetically been spoken could not possibly come to pass. 
And so do your God-ordained dreams seem dead? Maybe what God spoke to you long ago about who you are, promises in Scripture that have been given to you, things that you say, there's no way that that can come to pass now. Does that seem dead? God, by his grace, is in the business of resurrecting lost hope. His word will not return void. The words which have been spoken over you, the promises of Scripture which are yes and amen, God desires to fulfill in you. For us as a church, I would say that I believe God is calling us to be an agent of community transformation for his glory in Charlottesville. I firmly believe that. I believe God wants to use us as a people, not for our name, but you and I as a people in community together to see transformation come to our city. Too often people have just kind of wagged their head and say, Charlottesville, the liberal city, or, or this area, this is a liberal, this is a, God's not going to be here. No, this is where God wants to be. God wants to do something here. He wants to transform this city. And God is calling us to be a part of that. Though Charlottesville may seem spiritually dead, I believe God is raising us and others up to be agents of prayer and intercession, to see the areas of faith that are not yet activated, that in prayer and faith we can begin speaking to those areas and see God do something supernatural in our city where people come to him. What we experience today in baptism, one day that will become an occurrence. I pray that we have to set up two of these things. There's just not room because there are people who are longing after Jesus. We've seen it historically. We can see it here. And so I'd ask you to stand with me. And let's pray together. One. If you're here this morning and you're that one, it resonated with you, maybe you say, I'm under the barrel, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm not quite sure where to go, I feel like my spiritual life is dead, it's not the time for you to kind of back out and go get to your car and think, oh yeah, maybe that was speaking to me, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to go, and that's going to be that. This is a time for you to take an act of faith that says, I'm going to step forward and allow the body of Christ to gather around me that what seems dead in me may be resurrected for the glory of God. So if, if you are here this morning, I want to invite you to come for prayer. I want to invite you to come that others may gather around. If you're saying, I'm here at the bottom. My life is at the bottom. My life is at the bottom. You want to come this morning. It's going to be people who will meet you. My life is at the bottom. I need help. I need help. Do you need help this morning? It's not a point of shame. It's a point of God's grace. God's grace at work. That he has given you his church to trust in and to rest in. He has given you his church to be his tangible arms of love to you.
You're feeling at the bottom of the barrel this morning. You need someone to stand with you in prayer. I want to invite you to come. Secondly, some of you who have been discerning of what God is doing, you know God is moving in this area. You know God wants to do something in our city. God has given you faith, like the faith of the Apostle Paul, to begin to look and begin to discern certain areas that need to be spoken to. As you pray, as you read the scriptures, you, you think, this is an area where I know that God is going to work. God's given you that discernment. I'm going to ask you also to just come and let's begin to pray that God would move in our city, that we would speak those things which God is revealing to us, that he would be exalted and glorified, that the faith that has not been activated would be activated for his glory and that people would be obedient to the command that is being spoken over our city. Will you come this morning? If you need prayer, you need prayer in your personal life, but you're, you're, you're discerning what's going on in our city. You want to come and to intercede and to pray as they lead us in a time of worship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.